0: Welcome to Off Code, the show where we ignore the cultural code and have real and intriguing conversations regarding the Black community and ways we can move forward to human flourishing. Kevin, you ready? I'm ready. I'm really excited about this one. I think we're going to get into a lot of trouble, as we usually do. But uh, I got my Superman shirt on, so I'm protected. So let's go. All right. I'm just, I don't know, I have on faith, hope, and love.
1: So hopefully I can need, keep we're to it all things. Of today.
0: We're going to need yes, all I will. of it today.
1: <laughs> okay? So in case you're wondering today's topic is the black vote. And we're going to look at some of the history of the black vote, how we got to how black people because we generally vote in like a block or a monolith even if our um, individual stances aren't the same, statistics show that we tend to vote um all one way according to party lines. Yes. But how did we get here? So that's gonna be some of our conversation. But we're also going to look at how we vote culturally, how we tend to stand behind certain people or not behind others. So we're just gonna look at this this power that the black vote or the black stand has had over at least the last century, um, going back as far as about the last century. So That's the goal today. And if you're ready, Kevin, you ready? Let's do it. All right. So talking about the Black vote, one of the first things that I have um, been interested in or started to ask the question of is, well, you know, the Democratic Party ain't the party. Like it's it's not, I'm not saying that I'm some staunch Republican. What I am saying is that the Democratic Party for me does not align with my biblical values. Yes. And yet i see many christians who are black who say you know democrat till i die and you know the democratic party is the party for black people and it's the party for me and all that but then that makes me ask the question well how how are how is that aligning with your christian worldview and many people don't tend to answer that question they actually say that well that question is racist or that's just propping up whiteness and things like that what were you gonna say
0: Yeah. um, No, I think the issue of the the Black vote, and let's say the number is 90% of Blacks typically vote for the Democrat Party. Um, I think it's important to point out that no other demographic is so heavily one-sided to either side, right? And so we need to dive dive into why that is, you know, um, and examine why is it that 90%, even though we're, diverse we're not a monolith even though blacks are by just polling are culturally conservative mm-hmm. why is it that like you say things don't align with our mm-hmm. biblical worldview why do we vote for a party that is typically leftist and progressive not conservative when our own values say we're conservative and so i think it's important that we dive into that
1: well, we didn't always start out that way. So, you know, part of, of this first part of the, the conversation, I really want to be to talk about some of the history and to help people to understand, like, how did we get to today before we actually look at what are we seeing today and some of the aftermath of, of you know, history. So, and you can jump in and tell me, you know, because, you know, what your understanding of some of this history is too, but we, this takes us all the way back to slavery, And coming out of slavery and the Republican Party being the ones to vote for the abolition of slavery, the South being a very democratic South and um, or a, a Democrat, you know, population in the South and Blacks really seeing the Republican Party as the party that stood for their freedom and stood for their upward mobility. And so they voted Republican, whereas the Democrat Party was the party of the segregationists and people were not voting that way. So what you see is that you have the end of um, slavery and by like 1872, 1875, you have hundreds of legislators who are Black and in the Republican Party. Yeah. My yeah, you okay. So so mm-hmm. you're in agreement, right? Okay. Yes. So we get to to about I would say the mid 18, early to mid eighteen seventies, and you have these hundreds of black Republicans in some form of legislation or office. But then we get to President Hayes, Rutherford B. Hayes, and the compromise of 1877. And the compromise of 1877 was this informal um compromise informal agreement where Rutherford B. Hayes and his opponent who was a Democrat, they were like one or two votes away from each other in the election results. The the two sides came together and it was decided that if Hayes would become president, if they gave the, the, the presidency to Hayes, they were willing to give the presidency to Hayes If Hayes removed the military from some of the Southern states that were upholding um, the the Reconstruction-era policies. Yes. Hayes, and now the Reconstruction-era policies were benefiting Black people. The Mm -hmm. military was in these states to be able to make sure that Blacks were safe, that they could actually vote without, you know, coming under duress or harm and all of those things. Hayes takes the, he agrees to this. And it, it wasn't just the, the removal of the military. There was something with um like a transcontinental train line. I want to say the... Texas and the Pacific maybe train this train line that that was a part of this deal. Nothing ever came about that. There were a couple other issues in this informal um, agreement. The only thing that actually stuck to the wall was the military being removed from some of these southern states, these prominent southern states that were upholding reconstruction era ideals. Yes, when Hayes takes office, he removes the military and in the removal of the military the construction the reconstruction era um politicians and policies were done away with this um allowed jim crow policies to come in because the south was now once again ruled by the segregationist democrats yes all right so that that's that's part of of us in our history with the republican democrat party you want to add anything
0: Um, no, I mean, that was a pretty good history. I will say that it's important to acknowledge that when you look at American history through that time, you look at the Civil War, you look at reconstruction, post reconstruction, it is very clear throughout the politics of everything that slavery itself, or even the flourishing of black people and black former black slaves was not the primary issue of the United States. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the primary issue of our government. You know, Lincoln did not, uh, the Civil War did not start to free the slaves. That became a rallying cry later. The whole goal of initially of the Civil War was to preserve the Union. It was to stop the South from, um, uh, what's the word? seceding away. Seceding. So yeah, seceding away. That was the whole purpose of it. The whole idea of, and of course the issue, the reason the South was succeeding was because of slavery. They thought Lincoln was gonna abolish slavery and all that kind of stuff. But that wasn't Lincoln's main reason for starting the civil war. It was to stop those states from seceding and maintaining the union, right? Mm-hmm. Slavery became a rallying cry later to, to rally the North behind everything. Um, but even when you see in post-reconstruction, you know, um, no, the goal was always to maintain the union. It was to fix relations with the South. It was the holding the union together was the primary purpose and vision of the political um, landscape of that day, not necessarily black people or ending slavery or the flourishing of black people. You know, yes. it, was about, it was about holding the union together. And, yes. and we see that played out in the politics. That's why you know, they agreed to pull you know, the military out, the whole 40 acres of a mule thing kind of gets overturned and whites get their land back and blacks lose their land. And that's when you start seeing sharecropping become a thing, you know, and so it was really a tragic event in our history of what happened of reversing those um, post-reconstruction things that were designed to help, you know, former slaves kind of get on their feet and start a life for themselves.
1: Yes. And I think that, you know, it- Yes, while keeping the union together was, I feel like, the both of those presidents that we've mentioned goals. Um, the Republican Party was the party that for all people looked at humans as being yes. humans, as having, um, some specific tenet, or, or they understood specific tenets of, yeah. you know, like what it meant to be a human. Or, I mean, or yeah, it, was, or it was the party like of that.
0: Lincoln, it was the party of the abolitionists, you know, mm-hmm. um, Lincoln. No, they believed that slavery was a great evil and needed to be done away with. Uh, Even before Lincoln was president, he was an abolitionist, right? And so, yeah, that Republican Party was kind of tied to that idea of abolishing slavery. And therefore, yeah, Blacks were going to be associated with that particular party at that time.
1: So we have this um, situation with Hayes. And basically, I would just say it's like that he he threw Black people under the bus. And he did it for and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, but he did it for the position of the presidency. Now, I guess other people could argue, well, that would be better than having a Democrat in office or it would be the same potentially as having a Democrat in office because they because of the segregation and the segregationist mindset, it would have ushered in Jim Crow anyway. But we see the ushering in of Jim Crow. And it's at that point that I think um, the Great Migration started to take place. I don't think it's actually written on paper or um, like specifically tracked until the early 1900s. So we're looking at 1877 with the time of the, the compromise of 1877. We see the Great Migration take off from about 1915 to the beginnings of the 1970s. Yeah, and we see that around things like the depression or different wars and and things like that. Can you can you
0: describe what, what what you mean when you say the Great Migration? What do you, what are you the referring
1: The Great to? Mi- the Great Migration is a time when blacks in droves move from southern states up into the north. Yeah, and so and at with West. The, Yes, yes, and out west. So with the with the influx of Jim Crow policies and violence and what all of that segregation meant, segregation of parks and and um, public spaces and all of that, blacks left the South and they left in mass quantities they moved um to the north they moved out west when people um think about blacks moving up north think about michigan think about ohio detroit um, chicago detroit chicago York, yes
0: yeah
1: Mm-hmm. so baltimore they're, they're,
0: dc
1: yes i was gonna say philly yep they're going they're going up north
0: yeah a now, big part of it too was industrialization so there was, mm-hmm. was jobs up there you know you had the automotive boom yes. you had all these things where blacks were going up for, for jobs and stuff and so yeah
1: Yes now one of the things that the the legislators or those who were running for office noticed about black people who were migrating is that when they were in the South they voted as a monolith. They voted basically in in block. all the black vote went to the Republicans. So now you have three presidents um, basically right behind each other you have, FDR, so Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, you have Truman, and then you have Johnson. And they really played into, one, the marginalization of Black people. Mm-hmm. What was it that would get the Black vote, the entire Black vote? Well, a lot of that was to... um go against the idea of racial segregation. Even though these were historic Democrats, they then began to play against the democratic this democratic South or this idea of Jim Crow and the segregation. And we see this first, I think with um, FDR and like the New Deal. But I would say we, tr- we see it primarily with, um, with Truman and desegregating the military. Mm-hmm. and when he desegregated the military and he desegregated the federal workspace or, or work environments the black vote i feel like he sealed the deal yeah we turn around right behind him and we get johnson and that's when we have the great society and this whole um not war on poverty. i don't think they called it the war on poverty at that time but they you have this whole confrontation of poverty and how do we um, get the vote, basically, I would say, how do we get the vote of those who are poor? What is the the major color of the poor um at the time? Yeah. black people, but I think those three presidents together kind of sealed the deal for the Democratic Party and the black vote, and they did it through the through um what was roosevelt's was the new deal um Truman was yeah. the desegregating, and then the great society by Johnson, and we've just been tied ever since
0: yeah so those big government social programs yeah those things were um attractive to the black community right um but there there is something missing in there and the 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 whole turning point to 90 95 percent of black people voting for democrats really happened with the 1964 election right so you had Yes. yes and so you had um Oh man, Barry Goldwater was the Republican nominee for president and he opposed the Civil Rights Act. Yes, he did. And his, because so, but prior to 1964, I think it was like 60 40 or 65 35 blacks, Democrats. 70 to... 30. 70 30. As,
1: okay. far, as, far, as far as the vote was turning out. So I think um, Truman got probably 70 to 72-ish percent mm-hmm. in the polls. Um, I don't remember what Johnson got, but FDR got somewhere almost near 80% of the yeah. vote. Yeah. Well, Now, whether sure. they identified it this way um, on paper or if they were just given the vote, I'm not yeah. sure, but I know that that's the yeah. number that they got.
0: Yeah, but things took a drastic turn in 64 with the Barry Goldwater, got the Republican nominee, and he opposed the Civil Rights Act. And I've I've read his book, it was called The Conscience of a Conservative, and he explained his opposition to it. And he said he believed that the Civil Rights Act was morally right. He did. But he believed politically in the way that our government worked, that the federal government was overreaching and mandating mm-hmm. the states, you know, um, desegregate. He felt the federal government did not have the authority the right to tell mm-hmm. the states. So if you get the whole thing about states' rights and all this stuff. Right? Yeah. And so he said he believed it was a morally right thing to do, but he didn't believe in the federal government opposing itself upon the states. And so based Mm -hmm. on that, he opposed the civil rights act. Um, well, of course, I mean, blacks flew over to the democratic party and you also Mm -hmm. have what's, you know, calling the Southern strategy, which is the strategy of the Republicans to go out to the white Southern vote. So how do you go out to the white Southern vote during that time? You kind of oppose things like the civil rights act. Um, and so, I mean, of course, Barry Gold would have got slaughtered in that election, but the only states he carried was the South, and that was the mm-hmm. first time the South had gone from blue to red, right? And so the South had always been heavily Democrat from, from a presidential standpoint. That's the yeah. that's the nuance too that people tend to get lost. National Republicans and National Democratic Party differs from at that time local Democrat and local Republican. Mm-hmm. So in '64, you had this. The, in the presidential election, the South goes all red to support Goldwater. Of course, he lost the rest of the country, but he got the South turned red for the first time. I mean, people today can't even imagine the South being blue, but it was right. prior to 1964. The South was blue. It was Democrat. And so, at this time, you know, it switches to red. It switches to Republican. And then you have Black people switch from, they were, a lot of them were Republicans, all switch to being Democrat based on him opposing the Civil Rights Act. Um. And so on the national scene, the South was red, but still locally, the South was very blue. You call them, you no, know, the local democratic party, you know, I'm from Alabama, the worst governor in the history of Alabama what well, one of the worst, most infamous is George Wallace. You know, he stood on the, hmm. on the steps, his famous line of segregation now, segregation forever, you know, that whole famous line. Um, he's a Democrat. Yeah. You know, he was a Democrat, you know, and, um, and so it, it's this nuanced deal between local and state Democrat and Republicans and a national voting of Democrat and Republican. So while um, the South, from a national standpoint, turned red Republican, locally, they were still very Democrat. And the black vote kind of all at that time switched to Republican at that time. So that, that's kind of like the 19, to Democrat. The, yeah, to Democrat, the 1964 Barry Goldwater election. And the opposition to the Civil Rights Act is really, really what switched Black votes from from the Black vote from being somewhat diverse and not all one side to all of a sudden everybody's on the Democrat side.
1: Yes. Now, I think it's important to highlight that even though everyone is all on the Democrat side, it's kind of like you're saying with the South, like they might have been red, but they in the homes, they were still you know, blue, blue. they still yes. were were Democrat. I kind of feel like it's the same thing with the the black vote. It's like, well, when I go to the polling place, I'm voting Democrat or they were voting Democrat, but in the homes, they were still very conservative. Yes. That it it wasn't it wasn't, you know, a bunch of what we would consider today, you know, progressive policies and things like that. They were still very conservative. I think that this is something that people don't really understand much about um, the black vote is that there's a lot of push and vote for the advancement of people of color, the advancement of black people. And so that pushes black people to tend to vote Democrat. But in a lot of homes, the conversation is still pretty conservative.
0: It is because I mean, we there's still church going right Mm -hmm. still a lot of christian values there that aren't in line with the democratic party but just like in 1964 it was viewed as a kind of like a vote of survival like this is what we have to do we have to vote democrat because the republicans are opposing the civil rights act and the democrats are for it so we have to vote for the democrats and so that kind of gets ingrained even today you know 60 years later in 2022 we're still voting as if it's our survival to vote for the Democratic Party. That whole narrative yes. has never switched, has never been reevaluated to see if that's still the case. Largely, mm-hmm. it is still seen as a vote of necessity. They don't allow our mm-hmm. values, but for our own protection, we have to vote for this party. It's almost like they own our vote, right? Yes. And, um, and, go ahead. No, and I was saying like, and, and you see it, and they. This is the thing the democratic party to win elections, they need the black vote. So they're going to, they, they constantly do things to make sure they don't lose our vote, whether that's beneficial to us or not, they're going to say the right thing in the right rhetoric because they cannot win elections without the black vote and a high black turnout at that.
1: Yes. Now, part of me has wondered, well, maybe, you know, black people, choose not to go back to the republican party because the republican party is the one who kind of initially sold them you know threw them under the bus and sold them into jim crow and you know all of these other issues that pretty immediately became prominent in the south but when i look at it today i'm like you know we have to in some way separate ourselves from the then and the now yes the then was not pretty. The yeah. then definitely had its issues. The then was racist. yes we like I'm not in denial about that. I'm not confused about that. But today, the party that ninety percent of, of black people are upholding is not helpful to us as a people. I guess I'm wondering, like how do we shift the mindset? How do we begin to get people to think about the fact that the, the party that, you know, you're saying is the party that is going to uphold your best continues to support your abortion rates, continues to support, um, you know, the issues that you are complaining about. There hasn't been anything truly good done by the Democratic Party for black people in years, I would say.
0: Yeah, um, man. So I'll, I'll use my own kind of story. So I graduated high school in 1999. In 2000, I was highly upset at the Bush-Gore election, right? I was like, man, Gore got robbed. You know, they stole the election. Mm-hmm. You know, I was very um, pro-Democrat at that time, just because that's how I was right. That's all I knew. It was this given that Democrats are for Black people, Republicans yes. aren't. That was just kind of the given. Well, by 2004... I'm more of an adult. I'm starting to pay attention to issues and I'm becoming conflicted because I realized all of a sudden that I'm finding myself not agreeing with the democratic platform, like what their positions are on issues and what they're saying. And so I'm really confused and torn. I mean, I, I went to my mom, I was like, mom, why are we Democrats? And she said, and she thought she was quiet. She's like, I don't know. We just always have been. And I think that is the general sentiment for a lot of people in the community is, um, we just always have been, well, at least since 1964, the sentiment has always been the Democrats offer black people, Republicans are not. And we've never evaluated that stance or reevaluated that stance. And largely because the democratic party, because they need the black vote have continuously made that a priority in their messaging. Um, And we see it through the pulpits of our churches and the the pastors aligning with Democratic politicians to then sway the vote of people in the pews. Um, And then the flip side of that is, even though the Republican Party might not be against Black people today any other way, they haven't made any special effort to go after the Black vote or just to focus on issues that the Black community as a whole seem to care about something like prison reform Mm -hmm. right um and so they just haven't so basically one side of our constantly reaches out because they need us and the other side even though it might not be against us just don't reach out because they don't feel as if they need us to win elections this is what we got to remember black white yellow brown it doesn't matter in the world of politics at the end of the day you are you are a a roadblock or you are a pathway for them to get yep. in office mm-hmm. at the end of the day it is how they get the 270 how they get the 270 votes electoral votes and how many seats can they get in congress that is it it is not about oh they really care about you and your issues you, yes it's politics it is a game it is a means to an end to power and how do they get in do they need your vote or don't they and that determines who they cater to Right. And so I think if we start to look at it objectively like that and not get so emotionally tied as if, as if oh, this side really cares about us because they're preaching to us that they do. You, you're, you're just they need you. And once you mm-hmm. realize they need you, they, they're going to say anything it, it takes to keep your vote, whether they're actually doing anything or not, whatever remains to be seen. But they're going to make it appear as if you need them. And if you don't vote for them, the world around you is going to come crashing down right and that's happens to us we see it every election cycle we see it with the rhetoric you know we see the republicans pass a voter id law you know and Stacey abrams the first thing she says is this is jim crow mm-hmm. why does she why is she using that language why is she using that terminology because she knows it's going to evoke something within us within our community it within our emotions, the emotions right it plays mm-hmm. on the emotions right and so we're going to turn out they need high voter turnouts so they have to create it where we feel you know energized to show it. we got to fight this thing even though none of us know a single black person that don't have an ID. But we will like make It's like,
1: you, 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 you can't buy wine without an ID. You, Man, you can't, can't drive chance. a car. You can't, you can't do can't, anything.
0: You can't, you so, can't do but, nothing. But we, we will allow them to tell us that this is going to be something that's going to inhibit the black vote, and therefore it's Jim Crow, and we got to fight voter suppression. When we can't name a single person in our whole life that we don't know has 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 an ID of some form. Yes,
1: and I mean when you think about, I mean her 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 comment is so offensive because when you think about what Black people went through to be able to vote during the Jim Crow yeah. South, some of yeah. them had to recite the the entire Constitution. Some mm-hmm. of them had to wait in hours and hours long lines just for them to get to the door and the people be like well actually we're closed yeah. um they had to take tests there was poll tax like
0: yes a there, lot of things that inhibit the vote yeah
1: a lot of things that inhibited the people from voting mm-hmm. and now what you're saying is that black people basically aren't smart enough to know how to go down and get an id Mm-hmm. Be- yet I know how to go down and get my driver's license and my driver's license is the same thing as that can serve as my ID. So, or I know we know how to travel. I'm in all kinds of Facebook groups about black people traveling around the world. I know how to get a passport. Yeah. So I yeah. can't take my passport to go vote.
0: Yeah. And we've talked about it in previous episodes, but it's this stereotype about what it means to be black. And yes. it's almost like this poor, illiterate, helpless person stereotype is what it means to be black and black people and that is who they paint as who they have to protect right um but no, none of us know that person we just believe that person exists because mm-hmm. we've been told that person exists yep. and we go out because we got to protect whoever that is yes you know and it, it's just it's a... really it's something that's really just to rally us around but it, that person really doesn't exist
1: It turns out to be a bigotry of low expectations. Exactly. And they create this character of, like you're saying, the poor Black person who is still a sharecropper, who is not going to be able to make it to the the voting booth. And if they do get to the voting booth, they're going to have to wait for 7,300 hours to be able to cast their vote. And they're going to die because nobody's going to give them water. (laughs) And it's like, that's just not really the reality at all like we're not living in a very realistic um idea of what happens in voting it's like the same people who say you can't demand that people show id at the voting booth are the same people with ids you getting in your car to drive away from the press conference that you just gave saying why we can't get ids
0: yeah yeah, it's it's almost as if black people don't have IDs, which is just like the craziest thought. Right. And of and let's say there are some people that don't have IDs of the people that don't have IDs. How many of those people are likely voters? Yes. Right. And if, if you can't you, get if, the if, ID, then don't. Yeah, if you're them. if you're so estranged from society, you have no idea, ID, how likely are of a voter are you to be involved in the political process? Right. It's probably very, very low number. So the thing that, an that is educated really
1: voter. Is,
0: mm, true.
1: You know, I, like, because anybody, even dead people, apparently, well, can well, vote.
0: Educated, so, educated or not educated, how many of those people that don't have an ID are likely to be voters to go to the poll and vote anyway? Exactly. It's, it's, it's a low number of people who don't have IDs. Yes. And then it's an even lower number of those people who don't have IDs that would want to vote. And yes. so the, this idea that the voter ID law is going to suppress the black vote in some kind of way, just, it doesn't hold up when you really examine it unless you believe that there are just millions of black people out there that don't have an ID and don't know how to get one and can't get one and can't afford one. It's just really, like you said, the, the, the soft bigotry of low expectations. And, and it's kind of like this is what you really think of black people
1: basically now I don't want to get us caught up on on voter expectations and voter laws and things like that but one of the things I do want to highlight is something you said before we actually started this episode is that we're kind of like or I think I said, you know, it's like we're being bought and sold we, or we have been bought mm-hmm. and sold by different political parties. So at one time we were on on Team Republican and things like that, and they were upholding freedom and um, the upward mobility of people and in upholding the upward mobility of people, black people. Um, you know, being freed from from slavery actually were able to participate in this upward mobility. And we see that in like the legislation and, and how many legislators there were in the like 1870s. Mm-hmm. But then you see almost 100 years later, 1950s, 60s, 70s, and you see this shift of Black people now being bought to a degree by team Democrats. Yes. And one of the, the comments that you made before we started was, but we've never really been free agents. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so profound because I think the way the way that politics goes, it is for the power or um, the the presidency. Who's going to maintain this office? Who is going to be in power? And because historically, when we look, basically it didn't matter what team we were on, Blacks voted in a block or as a monolith according to who is going to do right by the color, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that that tends to be the team that gets the vote. Yes. But do we not see that either way, no matter what side we're on, Mm -hmm. we still are just a player on somebody else's game? Yes. Like, when are we going to choose to be the free agent? When are we going to choose to say, I'm not going to be a pawn? Because right now I can tell you that the democratic party is using black people, the black vote just as a pawn.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, it's really this, this dynamic of when you really vote as a one block this way, you incentivize the group that has your vote to not really do much because they have your vote and you um, incentivize the other side to not even come after your vote because you're just always loyal to the other side right um, and so um, that ends up hurting the community from a political standpoint because neither party really has to do anything to gain your vote
1: mm-hmm. or
0: have to try to get your vote one side has and the other side don't believe they can get it so you're just kind of a lost thought let's um, see
1: oh sorry go ahead no go ahead but. No, i was gonna say but this is why this is why i think the the bible speaks against bribery mm. because now you have one side that that has been conditioned to understand that this is this is the party that feeds me this is the party it, it, it's, it's a social conditioning like yes. um what is it pavlov like yeah th- I know that when, when, when these people come on scene, this is what I get. I know that, um, you know, that if the bell rings, this is going to be the response. Mm-hmm. But people fail to understand that this is just bribery. Mm-hmm. It's really just a promise of a Scooby snack. And you might get your Scooby snack in the moment. But in reality, that doesn't end in, in anything for long term benefit. Yes. The idea of of bribery. I'm going to read a Bible passage from um Exodus. It says, "And you shall take no bribe for a bribe b- blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right." Another one says, um where did it just go now? In Deuteronomy it says, you shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. You shall not accept a bribe for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Um, Hebrews says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. When we mm-hmm. as Christians accept bribes when and when humans accept bribes and we enter into this bribery relationship either with one another or with big political structures and powers and things like that, we, we to a degree put our trust, in, it's, an, it's an exchange. It's an exchange for mm-hmm. what you give me for my trust and, yes. and my value of that. And now I can't let go. Yes. I think many black people hold on to the, the democratic structure because they can't let go. Because where is their next help going to come from? Mm-hmm. Except we are supposed to be holding on to Jesus for my help comes from him.
0: Yes. Um, and so this is something that the black vote has been doing a long time. Voting against our values, which are largely biblical values and voting basically largely out of fear of something and supporting something that doesn't align with our views and values and biblical values. Right. Um, we saw this and this isn't just a black issue or a black church issue. We saw this, you know, with, with the white evangelical church during the Trump era, they were willing Mm -hmm. to put their values aside to vote for someone that did not uphold their values based on fear of something else. Or the opposition and so what we're seeing is christians are voting out of fear and out of and not out of trusting god and sticking to the principles so if black christians voted out of principle and not out of fear they probably wouldn't vote for the party that they vote for yeah you know and if um white evangelicals have voted out of principle and not out of fear Not saying they would have voted Democrat, but they probably wouldn't have voted for Trump right during that time. And so I think it's one of those things that's clear to the passage you read about trusting God. Are we as Christians trusting God or we trust in the political process? Are we trusting the government? Are we trusting these political figures to protect us and save us? Or do we really trust God and that he's going to be sovereign over all things and we stay committed to our principles and to his word?
1: Yes. And I, I like I completely agree. And I also think that when because you're like um, you said, well, you know, white people may not have voted Democrat, but they might not have voted for Trump. And I know people will say, well, those are the only two options. There's only two parties. But that actually isn't true. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have more than just two parties. And at the end of the day, it comes down to us being bold and courageous to actually stick our vote somewhere else. Yes. I know the conversation is, no, that'll never happen. You know, like the Republican or the Democrat, like they're never going to allow like the Green Party, the Libertarian Party to be able to come to the forefront. But at some point we have to shift the narrative. Yeah, We have yeah. to shift a narrative to to a party that will uphold and honor the biblical values. Now yes. that might be the Republican Party. Heck, I don't know. That could be the Democratic Party. You get the right... The right person in you know running and things like that, a person who is upholding Christian values, who has morals and things like that. I don't, I don't know if that would Mm -hmm. ever you know take place, but I'm not going to put that outside of the realm of possibility.
0: But it it won't happen as long as we keep voting for the lesser two evils. Yes. If if the black vote and the black, I say the black vote. I'm mainly talking about Christians, right? Because so many of us are in the church and you know we hold to know that we're christians if black christians stop voting for democrats based on the fact they don't represent their values they would make the democrats decide whether they need to appeal to the values of the black christians same Mm -hmm. thing with same thing with the republican party the republican party is dependent on the white evangelical vote right so a lot of times they cater to the white evangelical vote right they know they're pro-life they're against abortion You know, they're against, you know, um, you know, things like gay marriage. They try to appeal to white evangelical, you know, biblical values. Right. Um, But when we see those things go awry in like in under the Trump administration where he was didn't necessarily align with Christian values on a lot of things. Right. If the evangelical church said Republican Party, you give us a candidate like this, you don't have our vote. And they, not just send your vote somewhere else, but even willing to abstain from voting altogether. You have to make people, or we have to make politicians appeal to our values instead of taking what they give us and then voting out of fear for the lesser two evils because we're afraid of what the other side is, right? Mm -hmm. And they play us against us. They play us against each other like that, right? And so um, on top of us making politics bigger than it should be within our Christian lives, that is the cycle that we get caught up in is voting for the lesser two evils.
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, there's so many there's so many thoughts I have about that in and, and like even abstaining from your vote. I think that there's going to be people who argue, well, you know, Christians shouldn't be in the public square anyway. Yeah. But then you'll have people like Abraham Hamilton III, who was like, you know, know, you can be in the public square and you should be in the public square and use your voice, your vote, and your dollar to bring about more godly systems. Um, and no, it won't happen overnight, but you can push back against some of these things to create um, a system or a, a political structure that is more in line with your values. Yes. So, yeah, uh, man. Yeah, I mean, that's why like... That's, yeah, you know, that's like, as christians
0: right we're sojourners this isn't our home mm-hmm. right yeah. even though we are you know i'm talking about the two worlds right we are citizens of the kingdom and we're also earthly citizens of whatever country we find ourselves in mm-hmm. um but when you look at you know the like the babylonian captivity of israel when they were in babylon you know god didn't say hey don't get involved with local affairs and all this kind of stuff they say no seek the good of the city that you live in mm-hmm. plant gardens you know build homes have families we are to seek the good of our cities. We're to seek the good of our country, right So it's not necessarily this thing of we shouldn't be in the public square. we should be in the public square. we're, we, we're called to seek the good of the city. Um, but how we how we play that out is what is what we need to really reassess is do we stick to our values and, and seek the good of the city or is sticking the good of the city is being put into a corner? Of simply voting for out of fear
1: for mm-hmm. the lesser
0: two evils. I think if we get rid of the fear. Yeah. Whether it's the, you know, the fear that Republicans are racist are going to reinstall Jim Crow, whether it's the fear of, you know, secularism of the Democratic Party is going to push Christians into a, a corner. You know, um, uh, if we stop voting out of fear of the other side and really vote on principle for what we believe and stand in. I think you'll see the black vote be completely different because our values when we sit and talk don't align with the values of the democratic party, even though we hear a lot of the promotion of the democratic party from our pulpits. Right. Mm -hmm. But the values. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: No. So I was going to say, I was going to, I was going to head down that same line. Like, yes, we do hear the, The we do we don't even hear we see the um, parading around of the Democratic Party, especially black, you know, Democrat um, political figures in our pulpits quite often, especially around election time. Mm -hmm. And they claim to love Jesus. And, you know, some people will say, well, you can be a Democrat and you can be pro-life or you can be a Democrat and you should be a Democrat because therefore the color of your skin, you're really voting for like a a melanin feature or some kind of melanin safety component. And you can, you know, be a a Christian, but then when you're not, then you aren't black. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like, there's these two different worlds that, that is trying to be upheld. Like they, they're tr- there's a structure that's created that says, well, you can be a Democrat. You should be a Democrat because you're Black. And if you're in the church, you should, you know, be pro-life. But if you are not in the Democratic Party, then you're not actually Black. Yes. And I'm trying to figure out what, what's the, the answer or the, the comeback A lot of times to that because even like one the democratic party is not pro-life there's that and the thought that i can be pro-life and democrat to me feels like a bit of a a conflict but i know that there are many prominent people out there who you know pose this position what are your thoughts about it
0: um i think they talk themselves in a way to soothe their conscience and this is what they say right instead of taking a moral stance against abortion and say, hey, that's the murder of a life. That's the taking of an innocent life that should be wrong and we should not allow. And they know the Democrat is not just pro-choice, it is Mm pro-abortion, right? Even when the other side tries to pass laws that say, okay, a woman has to have certain type of information about abortion given to her before she makes her decision, they will oppose that bill because they feel as if it's going to um, lead her to not choose to have an abortion. Because Planned Parenthood is a big lobbyist for the Democratic Party. They want more abortions because they make money off abortions, right? And so, um, what a lot of Christians have done to maintain the fact that they can be pro life and still be Democrat is they focus on social policies they say lead to abortions, right? And mm-hmm. so instead of just saying, "Hey, abortion is wrong; it should be illegal. We shouldn't allow this as murder," they soothe their conscience by saying, "Well, we're just going to work on policies like support the single mothers and all these different things that lead to women choosing abortion." Um, and what we we we've seen is. That has never been an option. It's not that's not the goal of the party. The goal of the party is tied to Planned Parenthood and their 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 um, lobbyist group. So Mm -hmm. the party has no interest in limiting abortions and they know their policies don't Mm -hmm. limit abortions. They don't stop women from having abortions. They don't deal with the issues on the ground. They don't deal with the fact that a lot of the times the issue of abortion is driven by the man forcing the woman to have an abortion or pressuring her to have an abortion because he don't want to have another kid or he doesn't or she's the side chick and he don't want a kid with her. Like There's a lot of things that go into or people who just use abortion as birth control, right? Yes. Um, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of things that go into people having abortions other than their social situation. But they've soothed their conscience to keep voting Democrat by saying we're just going to focus on the things that these social issues, these social things that cause women to have abortions, they want to reduce abortions that way. That way they can claim to still be pro-life while at the same time voting for a party that is not pro-life at all.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it reminds me a couple of years ago, Lecrae said something about um, before we can talk about black abortion, we need to talk about, I don't know if he said whiteness or white supremacy or yes. you know something along those lines. And, you know, you bringing up the fact that you can be a Democrat and pro-life by focusing on the social systems or structures, social policies that are in play is it's such a good um, insight because what people fail to realize is that a lot of these social programs fail to realize or um, participate with humans based on the grounds of what God says a human is. Mm-hmm. and and how humans are meant to function and yeah. and work is a big component of that.
0: Yes.
1: When when your social policy creates a structure where people don't have to work, well we're going against the creation mandate or creation order that we see in Genesis where people work meant to work. When we create social policies or we vote for social policies that say well you don't really have to be married and if you are married you won't be able to get this social program we're going against this created mandate or creation mandate or creation order that says that you should be married that the two become one that that then you are fruitful and multiply after the two have you know left their their mother and father in marriage then you become fruitful but what we're doing is that we we vote for people who don't hold our um our ethos or our worldview when it comes to Christian ethics. And then we say, well, this is this is the party for us because they they support my melanin. Yes. And because they support my melanin, I'm going to, you know, in exchange, give them my vote, even though they are harming you in many other ways. It's not just abortion that people that that Democrats are harming black people on. They're harming your soul in the way that they approach the idea of marriage, the way they approach the idea of work, the way they approach the idea of parenthood. These things are found in scripture. Just read Genesis one. Mm-hmm. When we read Genesis 1 we see what God designed for the human person. Yeah. And yet we've attached our vote and the 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 functioning or or the flourishing of this of society to a very mm-hmm. demonic structure.
0: Yes. Yes, and it's something we need to reevaluate, right? Because if, if this this can be with anything. But when someone benefits from the fact that you need them do they really have an interest in solving your problem and make it to where you don't need them right so if if the issue is you no know, black flourishing and blacks being you know um, self-reliant and independent and flourishing then how do you need why do you need this democratic party that is telling you that they are the key to all your needs and all your problems right Um, so do they really have a real incentive to really solve your problem? Do They really want to end poverty in the black community. Do they really want to end these things? And there's no incentive for them to, because they need these things to exist because they need you to need them. They need you hooked on the welfare system because they control the welfare system. You know, if they remove it, you know you're in trouble. They're gonna take your benefits away. We're here for mm-hmm. it. We're gonna give it, and it just makes you a slave to the to the government benefits, right? Yes. It's, it's just I a mean, carrot that is dangled out there.
1: Yes. Yes. Look at look at the major inner cities. They're black run.
0: Black and Democrat run. Yes. Yes.
1: And so when they're black and Democrat run, I'm glad you put that that caveat there too. The black and Democrat run, we see high numbers of Black-on-Black violence. We see high numbers of Black-on-Black crime. We see cities that are not clean, just dirty. Like, And yet, I bet we will get the pushback that you and I are white adjacent. We're participating in our internal racism. We are using our voice for whiteness. And it's like, what... The, the sentiment behind that would say that we don't care about black people. We're just as racist as white people.
0: Yes, because if you just want to discredit any opposition, it's going to take that voting block away from you. Right. And so anybody, any black person that's saying something different about self-reliance, about abortion, about the behavior, about cultural issues, that person's a threat to your vote and your ability to stay in power. And so you want to demonize that person. Even if they're saying the things that are good for the community, that can help the community, you have to demonize that person because they're going to sway votes away from you. And Mm -hmm. that's not what you want. You want people, black people to feel helpless. You want black people to feel a sense of nihilism and to need you to come save them. And they Mm -hmm. want to keep us in that position of needing them. And so that is what we need to reevaluate of, hold are you really trying to solve the issues or your policy is doing more harm to keep me in this position so that I do need you so that I do keep Mm -hmm. voting for you. Right. Um, and that's what we need to realize. That's what we need to reevaluate in 2022, not in a 1964 mindset, but in a mindset of what are the issues today and what are the solutions to these issues today and reevaluate our positions instead of replaying the civil rights movement every year over and over again
1: yes now i feel like we've talked about the history we've talked about some things that are definitely impacting us today yes um i don't want to you know date this episode specifically but there were two specific things that did happen this week that i feel like definitely show um what are are or are good examples of what I'm talking about or what you're talking about. So the whole situation with Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. Yes. Judge Jackson um during her Supreme Court hearings was unable to define a woman, she said, because she's not a biologist. Blessed.
0: Bless, it. Bless
1: it. it. It it was. I asked the Lord, I said, Father, please touch her. Just yes one touch um now for someone who you know maybe i uh, i feel like i can't even say isn't a christian i feel like even people who aren't christians know the difference between a, a male and a female but this is a part of an agenda number one you yes. don't have time to get into yes but it's it's part of a bigger structure. I have a lot of issues with Ketanji Brown. I'm just going, and, and her accolades and credentials aren't one of them. Yes, my issues are part in part that I don't know if she was the best qualified because because the 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 stand from President Biden was that he was only going to look for a black female nominee.
0: Yes,
1: so there could have been an asian man who was way more qualified mm-hmm. but that that didn't matter because the asian man was not a black female yeah so we have that that's part of my question what, is she actually the best out of all the possible people who could sit in this position on this bench
0: yeah and um, did, did president uh-huh. biden consult with the biologist to make sure he was actually choosing a woman because how would he know? that
1: was my question you to me you shouldn't even accept you shouldn't be sitting here if you don't know that you're a woman if someone didn't tell you and maybe she had a closed door meeting i don't know yeah but how are you sitting here if you don't know what a woman is when your whole position or a reason why you're sitting here is because you are a woman
0: because this thing we know she knows what a woman is but because of the political stances of the party she's there to represent she mm-hmm. won't answer it because she knows the progressive agenda about transgenderism and whether's a woman. She's not, yeah. If she had to answer, a woman is a, you know, biological adult female, then she would have been in trouble. You know, with Her that Scooby partisan,
1: snack would have been removed.
0: Exactly, exactly. But the, from the a biblical standpoint, yeah. But from a biblical standpoint, we be we have to be able to say this is what a woman is and this is what a man is. We can't get into this confusion. And this postmodernism of reality can be whatever you want it to be. And it's all just relative and gender and all this kind of stuff is just a social construct. No, it's not. But this is the thing she did. She did admit that it's an issue of biology. Right? Yes. Yes. So, so yeah, she, go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no understand ahead. the fact that she admitted that this is an issue of biology. Well, biology clearly tells you who's a woman and who's a man. Yes, right? it does. So, yes, it at, does. At, at least she, so let's let biology answer that question. And so, that's just one of the things that, uh, as, as Christians, not as Black people, but just as Christians, we need to say something's not right about a person being held to a worldview that is so counter to what God has said.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Regardless of how much melanin is in her skin. Right. Regardless of any of that, the fact that she wouldn't answer that because we know she she can answer the fact she wouldn't answer it should be alarming to anybody, to any Mm -hmm. Christian, regardless of melanin, regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of what you believe about anything as a Christian, that that should alarm you. And the fact that it doesn't, we only Mm -hmm. cheer. We get in the corner because of her melanin. Because she's Black and because she's a Democrat, because not just because she's Black, it's because she's Black mm-hmm. and a Democrat. Those two things yes. have to go together. Because she was a Black and not a Democrat, then they wouldn't be in a corner as a whole, mm-hmm. right? If we're talking about this 90% that yep. is one way politically. And it's it's partisan, it's, it's biased, and it's not objective in looking at things. And that is one of the things that I hope, that's one of the things I want to bring from this conversation is, I want people to stop, sit back, and look objectively at their affiliations and at the way we vote and how things are played to our emotions and ask themselves, is this really helping us? Do these people really believe in my good? Do these people really hold to my values? And if the answer is no to those things, reevaluate your loyalty to these people, regardless Mm -hmm. of the color of people they seem to be pointing and putting in positions because at the end of the day, as a Christian, yes, color skin should not be the thing that matters to you the most. Right. Yes. And that's what I want people to take from this is let's get past everything being about the color of someone's skin and let's look at the ideas that they hold to. And are do those mm-hmm. the ideas align with scripture and, and what God has said and called us to do and, and to be?
1: Amen. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Now. So we have we have Ketundi Brown, and I think we could do a whole a whole show on just th- this week with Katanji <sighs> Brown, especially from people shouting in pulpits and talking about how it is it's God's divine provision to put a black woman on the Supreme Court, that he has opened the eyes and the mouths of but, certain uh, justices. But this is the thing. Think,
0: think about this, not to cut you off Mo. but think about this. What if the position she holds are a position that God hates?
1: This is This is what I always say. You have to understand that if you get wrapped up in this current cultural conversation and you are defining justice and all these other biblical terms, according to culture, you might as a Christian find yourself advocating for sin, advocating for the thing that God hates.
0: Even no matter the melanin in the skin.
1: Even even the melanin, regardless of melanin count, you might find yourself advocating for a system or a structure, a tenant policy, whatever that God abhors.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it that is isn't. what we need to and that is what we need to reevaluate as Christians and not as black people, but as Christians.
1: As Christians. But then, but see, and this is gosh, this is why I say we have wolves in the pulpit praying on the sheep because Mm -hmm. i can show you many videos where people are praising her melanin yes praising this woman because she bears melanin not praising her because she upholds a biblical ethic
0: yes yes instead she supports
1: the policies that are killing the babies that bear the melanin that you praise
0: Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And so that's what actually, I want people to take from this episode, you know, is for us to reevaluate what are our principles and what are we voting for? And are we voting out of fear? or Are we sticking to our principles and voting the way of mm-hmm. our principles? And if that person or system or political party doesn't align with your values, then stop supporting them out of fear that the other side is going to do you harm. Because that's really what is driving Because they're just using it as a carrot to hang over you and force you to continue to vote for them. And instead of saying, no, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to stick to what he has called us to do, called us to be. And if that leads to persecution of me, so be it. If that leads to the downfall of our country, so be it. At the end of the day, this is not our home. This is not our first kingdom. This is not our uh, first allegiance is to not to our country or our melanin. It is to God and his kingdom. And we need to make sure we are representing that kingdom, right? And not simply being our vote bought off of fear.
1: Now we are almost at time, but I do have something else that I want to just quickly throw in there. Because this is a little bit different. This is black on black. So we had the Chris Rock Mm. will smith slap that was heard around the world um we normally see like if this would have been black on white all like i i don't i don't really see i would i
0: would have been afraid to see what the reaction would have been had had a racial con you know um a racial dynamic been involved here i would have hated Mm -hmm. to see where this would have gone but yeah go ahead
1: but I feel like the racial dynamic was put in and there's a ton of people who were on social media blaming the slap on whiteness. <laughs> and it's like, this, to a degree, this is, this is a vote conversation. To, to a degree, yeah. this is a, who am I going to stand behind conversation? Now right. I've seen blacks on both sides. Like, you know, Chris was wrong. He shouldn't have da-da-da-da, he deserved to get slapped. No, Will was wrong. But here's the thing will was wrong he shouldn't have um slapped chris because whiteness or because he lets other people sleep with jada
0: yeah i'll say this the majority of people i've seen black or white have been like will was wrong right okay but i do know that element that has tried to some kind of way tie this incident to a system of racism and whiteness and you and i both know that to get to that leap requires you to constantly wear a particular lens in which you see the world and everything and you believe that everything is dictated based on race and systems that can be blamed for everything And so even something as simple as one Black man insulting another Black man's wife and that other Black man slapping the other Black man, some kind of way, that whole dynamic can be tied back to a system of whiteness in their mind. And it just goes to show you how that is not an analytical tool. It is a worldview. It is a Mm -hmm. way in which you view the world and you believe the world operates. And once you adopt that lens, something as simple as this can be put into a narrative of whiteness and white supremacy and systems and all those kinds of things. And it is that narrative of systems and everything is always the system's fault. Everything that Black people do, we have no agency of our own. Everything we do, we're just a product of the systems that hold us down and make us do things. We're just, you know, enslaved to the systems. And the only way we can have freedom is to tear down the systems.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Once you buy into that. Yeah. You're going to vote a certain way because you're going to say we need to tear down the systems, And that's what one side of the political out is really pushing now, Right. It's to tear down. You tie something like part like um, meritocracy. Right. You tie something like capitalism. You tie some of these things. And you simply tied them to something negative like racism, and you say, "Oh, because of racism, we need to take these things down." But nobody ever asked, "Is this? Are these things biblical? Like, is it is it biblical to not show partiality to people, to treat everyone the same, no matter what their race, no matter what their you know, sex, no matter what their uh, social class is, financial?" we're not to show partiality to people, but you have one part of saying, no, justice is to show partiality. Right. And so those are kind of things that we need to sit back and reevaluate. Um, are these things biblical or not? Right. And yeah. so, but once you bind to the, the, the framework of the lens of the system, um, the system becomes the one thing you must, fight against it becomes the one thing that must be torn down and it becomes the thing that is controlling it almost become God in of itself, right? Mm-hmm. God is no longer sovereign. God is no longer in control. It's all about systems and whiteness. And to to follow Christ means to tear down systems. Right. Yes. And yeah. we and if any 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 serious reading of scripture knows that that is not what Jesus did. Jesus did mm-hmm. not tear down systems of Roman oppression. Right. Uh when Jesus died on the cross and rose three days later and ascended to heaven, the Romans were still in charge and the Jews were still um, oppressed, mm-hmm. right? And so we can't make liberation of oppression from systems the focal point of Jesus, his work on here on earth, his gospel or his commandments for us going forward as his people. That is not our primary concern. But when you get people who start to believe that and they want to frame everything in that way and the only way to be a good Christian is to fight against systems of oppression, yeah, you can get something where one black man slapping another black man is simply the result of a system because that has to be the framework for which you operate in all the time. But it's not the framework in which we find scripture operating in. And that is what the point is. So
1: Ooh, that was a lot. That was really good. I good boy, I really'm
0: uh, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm I when mean, I say it is, I'm talking about it was a lot. I'm parched. I need some water
1: stop it well, we out of time anyway so you can get your water it that was good um i think one of the the ways that um i see it in relation to the voter or even how i was thinking about it was the fact that when you look at two black men um and one stops another well what do you do with that because they're on the same side how do you split your vote technically like they and i put on the same side kind of in air quotes um that because they're both they both are you know, of the same skin color. So what are you going to do now? But I think it's, it's interesting that we then at times, and some of us, I'm not going to say everyone, will put in a, a new candidate to blame. Instead of, mm. again, dissecting through the issues that are here and that are present within, you know, this, mm-hmm. this one situation, there yeah. has to be something else to blame or something else to vote for or, mm-hmm. you know, vote against mm. or something I, like that. I see that. what
0: you did there. I you see what, what you did there. So the issue isn't that they need to do something different and work things out amongst themselves. The issue is they need to band together to blame something outwardly. Yeah. And we see that a lot in our politics to where yep. the issues are always blamed outwardly, no matter what's happening internally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. No, that's, that's, that.
1: that's kind of how I see it. So yeah. anyway, you have any more thoughts before we sign off?
0: Um, No, I mean, I kind of gave what I want the takeaway to be. And I hope people who listen to this, listen to this with an open mind. And yeah. this isn't I, we, this isn't pro-Republican. That's what I yeah, really no. want people to know, right? Mm-hmm. This is Christians need to reevaluate how we view our political allegiances and how we vote. And for the mm-hmm. context of our show, the primary focus of that is the Black church and Black Christians. Yeah, And so, yeah, we need to reevaluate our loyalty to one particular party that doesn't hold our views, doesn't yes. hold our values, mm-hmm. right? Um, yes. Simply because they've made us fearful. And or made us believe that everything is about systems when scripture doesn't scripture, you know, says no, it's about sin, right? Amen. You know, and we need to get back to that.
1: Amen. All right, family, this is off code. Please find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube, on the Center for Biblical Unity Facebook page. If you have not liked Off Code, um, I mean, like physically giving us a thumbs up or something like that, go and give us a thumbs up, share the show, subscribe to our YouTube page, and check out the Center for Biblical Unity um, where we exist to have... Um, Bible-based conversations around race, justice, and unity. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.
0: Deuces.